Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Doing pretty good. Nice and relaxed. Mm. Looking forward to the show. Yeah. Oh, yes, right. We have to do a show today. I thought this yeah. was good. Uh, we're not just visiting. This is real. Yeah, the devil made me do it. No, no, that's later we talk about. Oh, that's later. <laughs> that's that's not, not long for now, but that is later. Hey, so, yeah, for those of you just joining us for the first time, we are The Bro Show. We are actual brothers. My name is Jerry. And my name is John. And, uh, yeah, we are The Bro Show. We talk about four things every week. And we start out with an animal story. And this is Season of the Whale, so it's going to be a whale story. And a whale of a story, I might add. And then <laughs> we, we come up like with it. a word. Yeah, you like it? Word. We come up with a word. 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 And then uh, we have two takes on some topic, and it could be anything. Anything that strikes our fancy during the week. And by the yep. way, that word has to be something that we encountered. We don't just comb through the dictionary. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, we keep we it real. Word of the day on the on the uh, pocket dictionary. No. We don't do that. No. no, we don't. And last but not least, we have groaners. Groaners to us by way oh, of good. Monterey, Thank California. You. Yep. Mm. Oh, good. Mm. Mm. Hey, so, so uh, let's see now. We have to wear something when we do the show, even though it's a podcast. I think we better put. We have to have clothes on, namely one article. One article. What are you wearing today, by the way? I am wearing a T-shirt. A T-shirt okay. that has a very large rat's face on it, styled uh, in the Chinese New Year kind of year of the rat look. It's taken off of a stamp that we put together. It's a T-shirt. And it's yes. from the season of the rat that we had. And why am I wearing that T-shirt, John? And I bet you're wearing one, too, by the way. I happen to have the same shirt on. This is one of the few times it doesn't happen very often, but we feel that the the occasion requires it is for us to be coordinated and wear the same shirt. I am wearing a rat shirt also. Mm. This last week, there was a very, we were sad to say, one of our active listeners brought to our attention one of the rat stories that we had, and perhaps you can uh, announce what exactly the mournful act that took place. Here's what happened. So, Blondie, who is a regular contributor to the show, has done editing duties for us uh, in the past and, and does so presently in the future. She reviews and synopsizes our shows to make sure we're on straight and narrow. And she encountered this story and sent it to us pronto that the rat Magawa, the Cambodian a large rat who was trained to uh, find landmines. Yeah, it's a... It's a uh, a landmine sniffing rat. This little guy died. Yeah, I'm afraid at the age of eight, uh, this rat did have five very active years sniffing out over 100 landmines and other explosives in Cambodia. Mm. And as a result, it, uh, it, it, it won, you know, like a, there's, a, there's this, I don't remember exactly what it is, but an organization which sponsored this, uh, this animal, uh, offers an award each year to the most heroic animal in the world, and typically that award is won by a dog. Typically. Agawa is the first rat to win the award. 
Mm. And so as a result, he is sort of a rat celebrity of sorts. And well, he was. It's just sad to say, was, yes. And I think his legend will live on, though. I, I did, have too. actually made sure that people, my, my best friends, I send out text messages, this and that, whatever, to remind them to let them know what was going on. And so that's it. I mean, we just felt it was important. We don't, we very, very rarely do follow-ups on old stories. But this one, we just had to because had to. of the, the, we just had to do it. A listener, you know, like I said, Blondie let us know about it. Oh, by the way, by the way, uh, Mary Jane, uh, my better half, she also brought it to my attention independently, and so did Rose, my daughter. So, good. It's on everybody's minds, and I think, you know what this points out is, number one, we have a devoted uh, listenership and non-listenership, by the way. And uh, and the other thing about it is that uh, we're making an impact, John. This is in people's awareness. They All these individuals knew about Magawa, and when they read the story, they knew we needed to hear the news immediately. I like that. I think there's an underlying theme, and it's gone through all of our animal stories, and it's even, I think this story today, with our, with respect to our, our story is even going to be more significant, is the kinship, the relationship, the special relationship that animals have to humans, and I think that's going to be important. Mm. But, before we get mm. there, we need to mention our sponsor. Save the Whales. Save the Whales. Uh, it's is a great organization. organization. Yes. Great organization. It's, Met the test of time, organized in 1977 by a woman named Maris uh, Siddenstecker, and she has continued, uh, originally started it with one thing that's really near and dear to our hearts, the bros' hearts, and that is T-shirts. Her funding mm-hmm. mechanism at the front end was T-shirts, became very popular, her organization did. So at this point, it, uh, it, its mission is to preserve and protect the uh, whales in the ocean, et cetera, and primarily through education. But they mm-hmm. have the buckos, and they have the resources available to them that if special projects come up, particularly things that might relate to the Pacific Ocean, the West Coast there, they will jump in and make sure things happen. So shout out to Save the Whales, and there's a T-shirt, of course, involved. Several. It's on our Several shirts. You got got some flexibility. Yeah. You got some choices you can make, mm. Mm. and uh, mm. all good. Yeah, all good. Hey, you ready for the whale story? Yes. This is uh, you know, this is a baby that you came up with with a video that is just captivating. Uh, dealing with what sperm whales primarily, I think, right? Primarily, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, and I think it's near and dear. I, I, I why don't you uh, explain most of it? I'll jump in. Occasionally, okay. may ask a few questions, so go sure, for sure. it. All right, the uh, name of the, it's a series of three uh, videos you can get on Amazon Prime or, or Prime Video, they call it now. And uh, yeah, there's three of them. The, the series is called Conquest of the Ocean, and I believe the first one is Titans of the Deep. And uh, it's it's a really good uh, series. I, I, I should give a little a little warning. Uh, there are parts of the first film, anyway, which we've watched, parts of the first film that they did this weird thing where there's a French speaker and they feel the need to translate it into English. But for some crazy reason, they don't do it with subtitles, which, you know, anyone can get, you know, on a video. Instead, they have an English person speaking over the top of the French person. 
So you can't, you can't understand anything. So it's, it's a little weird, but you, but weirdly after five minutes, you sort of get the hang of it. But at first it's off putting. So I turned the subtitles on and turned the volume down at first. And then once they stopped doing with all the French language simultaneous translation, it got much easier to listen to, but ignore all that because what you will see on the screen, uh, will, delight and amaze you because there's information that we have never had about whales that these guys are on the forefront of. And, uh, you know, in the process of researching this story, John and I found two other films that we'll probably talk about uh, in subsequent weeks that are equally uh, amazing. The stuff we, you know, we are learning about these animals uh, as we speak. Teams are going out and trying to understand them how they live. There's even different sperm whale cultures and stuff like that. The sperm whale is probably one of the most interesting whales. They're all interesting, but they have the largest brains. They have the most singular kind of behavior of any whale. They do things other whales do not do, and they have the most advanced uh, echolocation, uh, sometimes called sonar. They have this ability oh, yeah. that they use by sound. They communicate, which means that they talk with their own language. They do, and, and they um, have different dialects of that language, too, we've come to find out. Anyway, let's stick to this film and what it's about. They start to think out by talking about the evolution of whales from land mammals to uh, entirely aquatic mammals who never come on the land unless they're fixing to die. But these guys, they <clears throat> they started out as a rat-like kind of animal, pretty large, and they, they hung out at the edge of oceans and seas and decided, hey, let's take a little dip see if I can't get me some food. And then over 55 million years of evolution, they became the modern whales. And, uh, you know, when you look at a large rat, not unlike our friend Magawa, and you then think, how did that thing become this 85-foot sperm whale? How's that possible? You know? And it, it boggles the mind. It just boggles the mind. But these animals are uh, amazing. You want to hear a few amazing facts about these whales, John? I'm ready. Bring it on. You watch this thing, you're going to learn one thing in particular. These are the kindest animals probably in the world. They take five years to raise their young. And then the young stay with them unless they're male. And then they go off and, you know, do the solitary male thing. But they take five years to nurse and feed the young before the young even go out to hunt. Now there aren't there are many there aren't many land mammals that do that, you know. But they they are extremely protective of their young, and there's a lot a good part of this was spent uh, talking about the juvenile whales. And if you're in the ocean, John, and you want to spot a whale. And you say, is that a full-grown whale or is that a juvenile? Because a full-grown whale, is a, a newly born whale, is pretty large, it's many, many tons. So you might think, is that a full-grown whale or what? No. You look on the whale, and if it's covered in these, if it has these little fish that are sucker fish, remora they're called, they're like lampreys, they're parasi- parasitic, they're symbiotic. They, they attach themselves to the sides of the whale, and they get scraps, and they eat parasites and stuff. They're on the young whales, but they're not on the mature whales because when the, these guys dive, they go down 3,000 feet, 3,000 meters sometimes. And, you know, you cannot 
survive at those depths. Only the, uh, a lamprey would or a remora would die. So they, that's how you tell the difference. And then here's another good one for you, John. When the adult whales have been snacking on a lot of squid and they got they need a little dental floss, they just remain very still. They open their mouths. The remora come into their mouths and clean up their teeth and gums. Yeah, it's like they got that's better than an electric toothbrush or dental Jeez. floss. Yeah. yeah. They, they've got it. And, and these animals are simply amazing. You know, behaviors we never understood. How do whales sleep, John? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I know they're, according to this article, this it sounds like it's a test. I'll, I'll, my answer is vertical. Uh, they, they sleep yeah. uh, with a half a, a eye open or maybe a, one eye open and one closed. Uh, maybe you could explain that one because it's see, pretty close, pretty close. They, they, they're sleeping underneath, but they they're mammals. So as a result, they have to be able to come up to the surface and take a breath of air occasionally. So if they yeah. fell asleep and didn't wake up right away, they could they could die. So their yeah. whole mechanism with their brain is to keep a portion of their brain active so that they're able to. Uh, and they are very close to the surface, so they don't have to move a lot in order to breathe. No. And I think the fact that they're vertical probably works in their favor too. So plus, uh, plus they're not; they have a single nostril, and it's on the side of their nose, yeah, up top. And so, but it's on the very tip, so they just have to bob up a little bit, and then relax and go back down. But I have yeah. a question: How about the, the 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 little you know the baby the 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 kid whales? Do they actually have this capability of sleeping vertically? And being able to pop up occasionally to the surface, did that is that work? Does that work for them too, or how does it? Uh, they, they have a couple. It's very interesting. It's not unlike human babies. Uh, you know how a mother will very often hold the baby while the baby sleeps. That's yeah. kind of what the, the the lady whales do. The same thing. You know, they'll they'll let the uh, baby whale kind of sit on their back or on the uh, stomach, and they'll, yeah. they'll roll over. So when they and then they come up, they go up. And go down, yeah. And so the babies sleep shorter periods of time, the calves, I should say. And you know, they their sleep cycle is a little different. But we saw we saw film in the, in this where the, the the juvenile whales were all playing around just like kids do. You know, they're swarming yeah. in little circles and, and fooling around with each other. While there was a female whale nearby in a vertical position sleeping, and they had this this guy come up to him and with his camera, and he's looking right into where the eye of the whale is. And the whale opened his eye, her eye just a little bit, closed mm. it again. I'm gonna ignore that. That's the guy. That's the guy with the fins and stuff. So I'll ignore that and just kept sleeping. It was really amazing. And that points out the thing. The last point I'll make. Until 1980, these animals were hunted relentlessly, and to this day, we do not know how many sperm whales there are because it's very hard to keep track of them because they dive so deep and. Their habits are, they're very smart and they avoid humans. But since 1980, every few years, they get less and less timid about being around humans until today, they will tolerate divers and stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's kind of cool. It's very cool. So this footage we're seeing and everything like that is very brand new. Sleeping vertical, half the brain's off, half the brain's on. A lot of this stuff nobody knew until just recently. So this is all and breaking whale story. And they're still learning, and as far as I'm concerned, this is just a good example of relationship between human and animals. Never underestimate the, 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 the intelligence, the ability. They probably know more about us than we know about them. 
And you know, you're right. A, you're right. You're right. And so as a result, it's a, just a very good example of kinship. Which I'm giving a shameless plug because I want us to do it for the Center for Humans and Nature. So you can get the damn books that you deserve for being so much a supporter and contributor to this organization, Mr. Producer. Thank you very much. John's referring to a series of books called Kinship, the Center for Human Nature put out, and they are incredible, but I, I cannot afford them. Right. But he's, so they're going to he's give a contributor at the organization, so we're going to, I am. to get into those books. Thank you, okay. John. I really, appreciate, I really appreciate that. Hey, let's let's bounce. Let's have a word. What do you say? Okay. Well, listen. Our word for today is diablerie. Diablerie. It's a. Mm. Uh, it's d a i d i a b l e r i e. This word, diablerie, means reckless mischief, uh, charismatic wildness. It's sort of like devil may care attitude, as my wonderful producer was able to script that for me. Thank you. Yeah. And let's give an example of that. Uh, yeah. What we did is we've been doing the research. This is sort of a little preview to, to our two takes. And uh, it, it uh, here's the, the sentence that I use. Novak Djokovic's early career antics of spot-on impressions of tennis stars pales in comparison to his current infectious diablerie which is this crazy things that he's doing right now, which we will be talking about. This was, I Mm. found this word being used in a Daily Beast uh, website article uh, called uh, Novak uh, Djokovic is the biggest jackass in sports. That's a a pretty good article, actually. (laughs) The guy who wrote it it was a fan, so I think that's fair. Wow. Right? Yeah, good. He's a fan. Yeah, he was a fan, and he kind of his stomach's been turned lately. He turned south real quick with respect to this guy, because of recent things. So, I yeah. mean, uh, which kind of segues into our our topic, because I guess if you know tennis at this point, as it relates to our our topic, is going to be the brouhaha that's taking place right now in Australia, and I would call it a perfect storm. You've got a tennis mm. player who's acting like a goofball. That's Novak Djokovic. We've got ourselves a, uh, a tennis player. We've got a tournament, uh, one of the major four tournaments, and we've got a country, Australia, and their attitude towards the uh, COVID. And you put all these three things together, and before you know it, you get yourself a news story that's had legs for over two weeks, almost two weeks yep. at least. Yeah. So I'm let's right. start a little bit with the with the uh, the actual uh, person, uh, the, the tennis player. Uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, he's 34 years old. He's ranked number one in the in the, in in the world with respect the world? to tennis. Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's had he's had the number one ranking since February of 2020. Over the course of his career, he has he's been ranked number one for 355 weeks. He's won 20 major tournaments. Majors are sort of like we have golf, the same thing. In tennis world, the majors consist of the Australian Open the uh, Wimbledon in England, the U.S. Open, and the French Open. The tennis season starts in January. It's a calendar sort of start. And it starts with this big tournament that takes place in Australia, the Australian Open. Now, what makes this significant with respect to this tennis player is he is at this point in his career, he's 34, so he's he's in his prime, but edging towards, you know, getting a little bit old to be playing tennis. So he's got a chance at this point to become the first player to have 21 major 
victories. He's right now tied with Roger Federer. And what he can do is, and typically, and the other thing that's interesting is the fact that if you take a look at the four tournaments and the 20 majors that he's won, nine of those wins have been in Australia. So he does very well mm. in winning this tournament the last two years. So this guy is ready to come and establish a record, a world record. But yep. something gets in the way. And what's, what's happening that, here is that, well, what he's got be? an attitude. He's, got, he's one of these guys who believes that he's a natural, uh, that the body it can naturally heal itself. He's, he's special. A, he's, he's a special. He, he's a special character. Yes, uh, he is. He's a he's a vegan. He's a, he he believes in the gluten free. He's got all this stuff. His tra- to show you how extreme he is. His his uh, career was kind of sideways. Went sideways for a bit back in seventeen and eighteen because he had an elbow injury. He finally, as a last resort, decided to get surgery for that. But he claims that it was just pure agony, and you know that might have been because he wasn't taking any pain. I just thought of that. He probably didn't yeah. take any pain medication. He probably right. did that with without an anesthetic. But that's another story. Uh, yeah, it is. But the point is that he he marches into uh, Australia, and this took place, you know, like back on August fifth, sixth, seventh round. Then, and he's not he's he's unvaccinated. Now we're assuming he's unvaccinated. Uh, primarily, you know, because he uh, he has failed in order to get into the in, into the country, so it's been back and forth, back and forth, with respect to it. Uh, so he came in, he tried to bluff his way into the, going into the military. Yeah, that didn't work. Forth, and they realized that he didn't have the proper credentials. And then finally, when they did come up with them, it, it, it just didn't pass the mustard. It didn't work. So as a result, nope. he then appealed it. And through the appeal, where he went to, uh, to the to court, the court reversed it and said, look, he did have the proper exemption. He has a medical exemption. And the reason he was able to get that is because he did have COVID in the month of December. So it was soon enough they figured it maybe ought to, I'm not going to even try to figure out that. No. But through the whole exercise, they found out that he, went, he did not practice the protocols he was supposed to after he had COVID, so all of a sudden the uh, the immigration officials decided that even though the judge has decided that he he, he can come in, we're not going to allow it. So here yeah, we are. Yeah, the immigration guy. The immigration guy said no. They said no. So here we are. He's got lawyers, uh, and he's in the process of an appeal that's got to take place pretty quick because you see, the tournament starts on Monday. So Ooh. sometime between now and Monday, this has got to be resolved. Well, which by, already the way, done, by the way, John, by the way, that's Sunday, our day. Monday yeah. in Australia is Sunday here, but I don't know if that's if they're really starting on Tuesday or what. But that's I, I, tomorrow. Yeah, I know. It's it, there's this lag thing which I've tried to. My brain is kind of still wrapping itself around, and I don't want to get smothered in yeah. that. Sorry. So, uh, but the thing that's interesting is that you, when you have the tournament is set up, and by the way, this Australian, this tournament is, it, this is a big deal in Australia. Melbourne is where it's held. It attracts, pre-COVID, it was eight, over 800,000 people are watching this. It's just, it's got, you know, it's got singles, doubles, men's, women, mixed doubles, juniors, wheelchair. It's got all this different activity going on. So it's, it's a very, very big deal. The actual prize money in U.S. dollars is about $50 million in total. So uh, it's nothing to sneeze at. And so we've got this all starting uh, with the top 32 that have been seeded. 
So right now, they would have to, if he is not allowed to play, they're going to have to scramble with the rules they have there to figure out who's going to be the number one seed in this tournament. Uh, mm. Because right now, that's where he is sitting. I think the other thing that's real interesting, by the way, we've got a Cracker Jack uh, contributor, uh, reporter in Australia that gives us the uh, yes, her, Sarah. Uh, her, her ear, ear close to the ground and is mm. able to kind of give us a little bit of insight as to how Australia approaches the uh, COVID. And they've, and I think if you take a look at them, you've got to kind of applaud them as to what they've done. And, there, and, you know, what we do here is we say if we get we get vaccinated enough, this and that, whatever, but we don't really lock down, as they say, right. certain areas as it gets higher and big, real big. The perfect yeah. storm lies in the fact that they have done a very good job with vaccination. I looked up their vaccination rate. It's like high 80. 90. It's like 80. It's yeah, 90. It's 90, no, it's 90 in yeah. Melbourne. In, in Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, actually there. If you, you know, bounce around from uh, each of the different, uh, what do they call them there? The district states. Or whatever. There's states, states. yeah. Uh, it might vary, but it's still, it's 88 to 90. Now, how have they been able to, so they have strong rate. They've got the same protocol as we do with respect to, you know, making sure you've got masks if you go into indoors, this and that. So I think the level of compliance and what they do, mask wearing, this and that, is about what ours is. But their rate is so much higher. And the other thing they got going for them is they're an island, and they've severely restricted entry into the island. And that's where that's the rub. Hold on there. It's a continent, but it is surrounded by the sea. The key is that they, they, they've had very, and that's the rub here, the very strict entry. Into the, and that's really what's caused the problem because their idea is, well, let's, you know, we're, we're doing a good job here. We've been very vigilant. Let's not screw it up by letting some clown or clowns, let's clowns, and we just happen to be talking about one of them. So yeah. that's where we yeah. stand right now with respect to it, and it's still up in the air. It is that's, still up in the air as we field. speak. As we speak, it's still up in the air. Wow. Well, that is something that will uh, – this is – what do we call that, John, a developing story? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's more than breaking, it's developing. And so it hasn't come yeah. to a conclusion yet, and, you know, by, by Monday it will. Just have to keep – and it's kind of funny because U.S. has not had any really – Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, Chris Everett. Uh, yeah, most recently would be the Williams sisters, which are which are not playing in this tournament. By the way, they're in their 40s. They're they're like 39, 40 years old. So yeah. you know when U.S. people, you know, usually the U.S. we 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 get involved and interested when we win. If we're not winners, who cares? That that, that sport's not worth it. And that's what oh, it stands right now. Bad sports. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, that, well. that's it. That's it. That's enough. Yeah, it is. I'm uh, very good. Good coverage. Hey, you know what we need now, though? We need to lighten it up with some groaners. Okay. Our So our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder, Jr., commonly referred to as the coach. Now, what I had to do this week, I figured let's stick, let's stick with the subject matter. So let's give a groaner. I went to our oldie but goodie groaner. So this is going to be more of a test. Because I've done oh. this groaner before. And I thought, so I come up with, this is an Australian groaner that I've used, and here it is. What do you call a lazy baby kangaroo? What do you call a lazy baby kangaroo? I don't know, John. What? A pouch potato. 
Oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's excellent. I like that one. I remember it now, but, you know, I made the same mistake I made the last time you told that groaner, and that is I was fixated on Joey, on, on the name of what they call those little babies. They call them Joey. Yeah, you know what? And I, I was looking for something there. To call it a lazy Joey, and maybe that would kind of maybe direct you more to it. I thought about that, but, yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate okay, your efforts. One. Yeah. This next one is a tennis one. Oh. Why? Are tennis players not good candidates for marriage? Why are candidates, tennis players not good candidates for marriage? They have too many buys? It's because love means nothing to them. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> that's very good. I like that. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what the heck. 